If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA podcast. I'm host Dale Lippin, in here with TVB himself, Trey Van Buskirk. Nice. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> I kind of needed it. I feel like I have failed the world. My governor is the one that put the kibosh. He walked into mm. Walt Disney's office, said to Mickey Mouse, the deal is done. Right. We need to move on. You guys aren't going to do anything. But lo and behold, we're back in business. What back fell into our lap no more than, what, 45 minutes ago? Couldn't have been Couldn't have been 45 minutes ago. It just fell right in our laps. And, you know, I, I just can't help but think, you know, Mickey Mouse is somewhere, somewhere going, oh, boy, that's a good fight. <laughs> so I'm telling you, man, it is going to be amazing. This card, if it comes together, far and away the most stacked card in UFC history. Um, the only thing that goes is more stacked than this is a stack of state classy meets elk sliders. And I'm telling you, man, when this card comes to fruition, the closer it gets, you're going to want to tune into this show because there is something big in the works. I'm not going to say anything more than that. State classy meets promo code fist, saving you 10% on all orders. But Trey, this is, like I said, probably the most stacked card in UFC history, bro. I mean, where do you even want to begin? <laughs> Why don't we start at the controversy? Yeah. And I've been I've been harping on this guy for some time, and I have a bone to pick with him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I referenced him in the last episode uh, in his grotesque training with Jeremy Stevens. Mm. Why don't we start with Dominic Cruz? Mm-hmm. I want to get your perspective as to how Dominic Cruz, not having fought since 2016, a justified Henry Cejudo bantamweight title shot. Explain to me that logic. It's not a justified title shot at all, but neither was the Jose Aldo Henry Cejudo title shot either. Also not justified. Here's the problem, right? And I could drink a little bit of my own sweet tea here. I could stand to, to take my own lessons here. And people have heard me say this time and time again on every, just about every show I've ever been on is that I hate the idea of fair. I hate the idea of balanced. The world is not fair. The world is not balanced. The UFC is not fair, and the UFC is not balanced. It's not the way that it is. We get upset about it over these perceived injustices and injustices and fairness. Uh, but realistically, the UFC has shown time and time again they don't care about that. Yeah. They don't care. They what's going to sell? What's going to make money? It's not even necessarily what the fans want. It's what they think is going to sell. They think that a title shot between Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz is going to sell. So what are they going to do? They're going to make the title shot between Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz the same way they made the title shot between Cejudo and Aldo to start. Neither one of these guys deserve the shot, but both of them are getting the opportunity now. And to be honest with you, as much as I love Henry Cejudo, and you know I have been a Henry Cejudo stand for a long time, he is on my nerves, and I'm ready to see him fight again. It's put up or shut up time. Put up or shut up time. Um, I know you love your wrestlers, but 
he's been <laughs> chirping and every single fight that he's been chirping has been not a has been. I'm not going to say that against Dominic Cruz, one of the greatest bantamweights of all time. But uh, Jose Aldo, again, he's a great champion. But Cody Garbrandt came out and said it perfectly. He's like, you know what? Why don't you fight me? I've got a losing record right now. I'm on a losing skid. Right. Same type of thought. I, th- yeah. I don't think it's fair. I think you got to look at guys like Aljamain Sterling. You got to look at Peter Yawn. These are guys that are literally have so much momentum against them. And it, it, that makes it a justified title shot. Someone who hasn't fought in 2016 since 2016, been behind the desk. I mean, I, I, you know, his last fight decimated against Cody Garbrandt. There's, yeah. It just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem fair. I understand there's a bit of that casual bridge being that he's had a lot of FaceTime. He's been in the people's faces. He's more of a household name than a Peter Yan or Aljamain Sterling. But, you know, when you look at it from a rankings perspective, it makes no sense, which, like you said, the UFC never abides by anyways. No, they don't. They don't care. And you, you shouldn't get t- t- like caught up on the fact that they just don't. It doesn't matter to them. They don't care about that. I will say this about Henry Cejudo, and anybody that gets mad about this, and again, this is me preaching to myself here because I get mad when Connor does the same thing. All of these guys are following the Floyd Mayweather playbook. You handpick your opponents, so you pick guys that are too old, guys that are too young. So whenever you want to fight the guys that are too old, you say you want to fight the the legends, right? Yeah. I want to that I'm better than the legends. When you mm-hmm. want to fight the guys that are too young, you say that you're going after the young lions. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, you know, to harp on boxing for a second, if you look at when Mayweather fought Canelo, he fought Canelo when Canelo was like 21 years old. Right. He was out of his depth. He had no shot at winning that fight outside of a puncher's chance. Floyd's a savvy veteran. He, he wanted to fight him then because he knew if I fight him now, I've now is when I've got the, the best chance to beat him. Conversely, he didn't fight Pacquiao the entire way he was in his prime. He waits till Pacquiao is in and out of retirement, one foot out the door. Hmm. Then he decides, okay, now I'll fight Pacquiao. You and then and his argument is, you guys say that I, you know, I I beat the guy you said that I should always fight. People look at the name, they don't look at the age, they don't look at the date. So if Henry Cejudo beats Dominic Cruz, doesn't matter that Dominic Cruz hasn't fought since 2016. That's a win over T.J. Dillashaw. That's a win over Dominic Cruz. Mm-hmm. That put that's a win over Mighty Mouse Johnson. If you look at that resume and the gold medal and the flyweight title, it is very very hard to make an argument that he's not the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. And that's what he wants. That's what he wants. A win over Piotr Jan doesn't get him that title. A no. win over Aljamain Sterling doesn't do that. But beating Dominic Cruz or Jose Aldo, beating TJ Dillashaw, beating Mighty Mouse Johnson, and winning a gold medal in freestyle wrestling in the Olympics, that makes you the greatest combat sports athlete of all time. That's what he's after, and he's going to handpick his opponents till he gets it. The thing is that I wouldn't give or – let you forecast any longevity to his career. I look at these type of milestone fights that he's trying to obtain as, hey, I'm trying to close out this chapter of my career. If in fact he wanted to, you know, see the division out, wanted to be a champion for a long time, he would be going after these prospects. In fights like this against Dominic Cruz, you have a lot to lose. Now it looks very one-sided, a guy again who hasn't fought since 2016, but this is a unique period of time. This is one where we've heard a lot of coaches say, hey, you're 
technique's not going to be the same. Your timing's going to be different. You're doing home workouts in the garage. You know, you just got to get in there. You have to stay to a certain level. The greatest piece is everyone's going to come in healthy. The biggest issue though, is they're not going to be the tacticians. They're not going to be, you know, on point in their fights because they haven't had the training partners. They haven't had the gym. So every fighter is coming in with a little bit of variability to them. It's a scary fight for, for, I mean, for both fighters, but a lot more to lose, I think, for Henry Cejudo. Oh, there's definitely a lot more to lose for Henry Cejudo. Dominic Cruz has everything to win in this situation. One of the biggest knocks against Dominic Cruz has always been his health, but the problem with that is because he operates under the mantra that if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. And your body cannot compete and stay at that level of excellence and expectation all the time. And when you do that, your body breaks down. And that's what you see. You see a guy like a Dominic Cruz, a guy like a Cain Velasquez, a, hell, even Khabib up until a couple years ago. Their body is just not built to go that hard all the time. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Even, to, even Tony Ferguson is a guy. He stays ready so he doesn't have to get ready. That worries me the longer this gets pushed out because you know Tony Ferguson. He was just chirping at Gaethje today saying he's still planning on making, <laughs> making weight, weight on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, who knows if he will or not. It's Tony Ferguson. He's weird like that, but that's exactly my point. The longer these guys continue to operate this way, they continue to do these things. Anybody that's ever watched footage of Dominic Cruz, shadow box, or just move around a boxing ring, you look at him and you go – no wonder your ACLs hate you. No wonder why your ankle's always falling apart. The movement that you're doing is unlike anybody else's movement, but it's also, imagine doing that for hours a day, day in and day out for 15, 20 years. Your body's not built for that. Dude, I don't, don't get me started on the footwork Instagram, the little videos he puts out. Dude, if anything, that guy should go on Dancing with the Stars. That is the gayest shit on the planet. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. You know, punch a bag, dude. Do some speed workouts, but don't be doing your little fairy dancing around. That's not going to impress me. You know what bums me out about this the most is this was supposed to be Urias fight. Right. If he beat Peter Yawn, that would be the fight right there. And bam, was he so close to beating Peter Yawn. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, look, the way that, the way that this whole thing's shaking out. The longer Cejudo stays champion, the more likely your eye Faber getting an undeserved title shot is. True. Um, the problem with Faber is he's got to take another fight in the meantime. Um, you know, obviously, Yawn and Aljo are sort of tied up and sort of barking at each other. Um, if you look at a guy like Garbrandt, obviously him and Uriah are never going to fight one another. Uh, so you that leaves you with like who, like a Pedro Munoz, but Munoz deserves a, a bit a bigger fight than that. Money so fight. That, now you're moving, you're moving further and further back unless you do, like you say, the money fight, which would be TJ. If he beats TJ, then he's got a legitimate claim, but he's got to beat TJ, and that is no uh, that is no short order, my friend. That is a tall task. That is a tall task, especially with someone who always has an extra little edge in their system. <clears throat> That's true. All right, let's let's break down some more of these fights real quick. Obviously, co-main event slated for UFC 250 on May 9th is Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. But a couple great ones on here. We're seeing a little bit of a reshuffling from the UFC Portland card. We're seeing a little bit of reshuffling from UFC 249 and then stuff that was originally slated for UFC 250 as well. We've got the sort of hodgepodge of a card here. Uh, looks like things are kicking off with Charles Rosa versus Bryce Mitchell. Mitchell coming off that twister finish uh, taking on Charles Rosa. Uh, the 
you know, Rose is relatively inactive. Bryce Mitchell, a submission specialist, training out of his garage, been training out of his garage uh, in Arkansas for a few years now. Nothing changes there. Uh, COVID be damned. I think Bryce Mitchell gets that done against Charles Rosa. Yeah, I like Bryce Mitchell, a 10th planet guy. The guy's got sneaky submissions. I love it. Um, the guy's strong. He's super dangerous. And he reminds me of someone from bare knuckle boxing, dude. He's a freaking southern draw, just gnarly right. dude. Right. I love and those, it. those who are unfamiliar with Bryce Mitchell, Bryce Mitchell's the guy that was hanging sheet metal and then stuck a drill in his pants <laughs> and accidentally <laughs> activated the the drill bit and wrapped his ball sack up in That's the right. Drill bit ripped his ball sack open um so if you miss that for a second he put a drill in his pants it activated the trigger it rotated the drill bit and sucked his ball sack up into the drill bit you know what makes me wonder if it actually wrapped onto his balls or maybe it was the hair that was around his balls no 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 it ripped his sack open like his sack was ripped open his balls were out. <laughs> like, legit, his balls were out. Well, back. I think this is actually a perfect time to say, just in case if he had some hair around his balls, yeah. you should probably get rid of that, right? Probably should get rid of that. So, <laughs> one of the things you don't have to worry about is that sort of snag level if you're using a Manscaped product, in particular the Lawnmower 3.0. Uh, your ball sack will not get will not get snagged and rip open. Your balls will not fall out of your sack. Uh, you do not have to worry about your seminal vesticles getting sliced up. You can go ahead and shave freely with the lawnmower 3.0. Yeah, yeah, no, guys, don't work with power drills. You know, with a bunch <laughs> of hair on your balls. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. So. To make sure you don't do that, utilize the code PUNCH. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. PUNCH, 20% free shipping, no power tools, Dale. Let's keep yep. getting into this card. Yep. Utilize <laughs> the power of your tool, but keep power tools away from your tool. Jeez. Ah, it just <laughs> writes itself. It writes itself. All right, man. Vincente Luque getting that uh, reschedule against Nico Price at welterweight. Vincente Luque, man, um, once tapped as a welterweight contender, He's sort of in that win-one-lose-one purgatory right now, taking on a guy ever-creative, ever-durable, hard-to-put-away, Nico Price. I think this is, on a stacked card, this one might sneak in for fight of the night. I should have done my research on this one, but correct me if I'm wrong. Vincent, uh, Luque won the first fight, and it was by Darce in the second round. It was, it was a submission in the second round, if I remember, right? I believe you are correct. Go okay. Ahead. I'll look for um, someone doing that keep going yeah so you know hybrid nico price he's a scary guy i mean he's super fluid moves around the cage really well unorthodox striking and literally is just like a snake with venom the guy can just freaking on a pinpoint throw his jab out there and create some serious damage and then take control thing is with vicente luque the guy's really textbook, by the book, great boxing, move around, good kickboxing. I think this is a little bit of confliction in, in styles, but it's also who can have the better like poise, I guess would be the best way to say it. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right with that. Um, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be the person that remains calm in the storm that gets this thing done. Um, mm-hmm. because the storm is coming with both of these guys. Uh, my concern with a guy like Nico Price is if he can't make it a brawl, uh, Luke's got it, it has more than enough discipline to keep it disciplined and um, 
technical for the entire length of the fight. Uh, so yeah, he Luke did beat him by Dar's choke. By Dar's, yeah. In the second round too. Check, you, dude. Look at you, Nostradamus over here, man. Ooh. Actually, no, I'm not forecasting. I just, I'm, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right it's all right yeah dude a little mma encyclopedia but all right yeah, so let's go. touch on a fight that we didn't cover because it's got one got rolled in um the cookie monster herself was pretty pissed all week man she expressed some of her frustration on the fight cancellations uh she expressed a lot of feeling of being upset about you know making weight and everything else and she is mad uh and looking to take on Michelle Watterson for UFC 250 here, Carlos Barza versus Michelle Watterson, UFC 250. Am I mistaken in that Michelle Watterson is pregnant? I was just going to say that when you when you literally just said Michelle Watterson, I was like, wait a minute, was that the fight? I I swear she just did a birth announcement on Instagram. I swear she did too, but they've got her tapped. They've got her tapped to fight uh, Michelle Watterson. Carlos Barza versus Michelle Watterson for UFC 250. I could have swore that Michelle Watterson's husband put a sonogram picture up. Did he not? No, I, I saw the same thing. And I actually, I feel like there's been a lot of announcements on her side. If you saw her husband did buy her a car as of recently. Um, but I almost, I thought that was part of like the, like, like a birth gift, even though she wasn't obviously giving birth. She just announced it. But I could have sworn I saw that too. So I was completely thrown off when you said Michelle Watterson. Um, while you look that up, I will say Carlos Esparza was rightly so completely pissed off, as were a lot of people on UFC 249. Um, she was one that was very active on our Instagram, uh, you know, doing little uh, rat emojis and stuff like that all over Gavin Newsom's face that we posted. Obviously, again, for all those that didn't hear, the real kibosh happened via Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom called Disney and ESPN uh, head honchos and really kind of laid the line and said, this cannot go forth. So we'll get into this a little bit more, but I am curious where this May 9th fight is going to actually happen. Um, we, there's a couple you know, locations in discussion right now, but you know, Carlos Barza, rightly so, really pissed off, not a fan of the governor of California. Yeah, and I mean, nobody at this point nobody was, and I think a lot of that just stemmed from frustration because we were so close to getting something, and it seemed like a gross overstep of government boundaries. I'm looking back through Instagrams here, man, and it that post that you and I both remember seeing—that's Mandela affected out of here. I can't find it anywhere. It's not on Michelle or Josh Gomez's IG. I don't that's know crazy. if. We imagined that collective consciousness. We we I'd want imagine to imagine that. that. I don't right. know why I'd want to imagine that. I would imagine Michelle Waterson practicing making babies, but not actually birth <laughs> part. But that's that's you know, I don't understand, man. I don't know where or how I thought I saw that. Um, hmm. Okay, I guess I'm wrong. Well. I love Carlos Barza in that fight. If that really? were to go forward, I really like her. I'm a huge Carlos Barza fan. I've watched her okay. many times. I've met her actually out of Moronga Casino for one of the LFA fights. Okay. Super nice, super humble, down to earth, absolute killer beast in the gym, but also is not a total robot. I mean, she lives her life. Um, she's got great striking. She's got amazing cardio when she can actually get into. 
don't you dare say Carlos Barza has great striking. Don't not in comparison, dare. not in comparison to Michelle Waterson, but she's got good striking. She is good. Let's not go with great. She's competent on the feet. I, okay. Nobody outside is... of Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunez, uh, Michelle Waterson, you cannot say any women have really great striking. I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to be a dick here, but any any girl has like, great striking if they have a foundational base to it this isn't felicia spencer great wrestling this is someone that actually dude carla esparza utilizes her striking over she does her wrestling so that would constitute it being a good she uses her wrestling non-stop non-stop i don't mind i feel like she's we're watching a, two she's different a, people she's a wrestler that doesn't use her wrestling she's she's uh oh my god what's a comparative analogy here um oh this can't be true we're she's not a colby covington uh, Kamara Usman just using their striking, dude. That's what she is. <laughs> uh, I personally think this is a bad fight for Carla. I like her, but I think this is a bad fight for her. Michelle Waterson has sneaky submissions. She's got she's great at keeping distance. Dude. I, Michelle Waterson has sneaky submissions. What are yes. you talking about? What are you talking <laughs> Dude, let me know the last time she had a sneaky I submission. Will. I it will. wasn't like a rear naked choke, which is not sneaky, dude. <laughs> God, well, if, if I'm taking away rear naked choke, that it that eliminates, it eliminates everything. That eliminates the that well that eliminates the Paige Van Zant win. That eliminates the uh, the Angela Mag- Magana win. Right. Um, and no, she beat Jessica Panay by armbar, and she beat Tyra Parker by rear naked choke. I'm telling you, Michelle two, Watterson, the two most basic submissions. Game. Underrated ground game. Underrated ground game. Okay, let's see when the last time Carlos Barza knocks somebody out. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Carlos I never Barza said she was a knockout game. artist. You I said, said she was great striking. Yeah. You, listen, you can't walk it back now. You I said stand by that, though. Striking. The amount of decision wins she has because of her great striking far outweighs any type of submission wins outside of a rear naked choke that Michelle Watterson has. Mm-mm. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> Nope. Yeah, this is all 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 losses. Yeah, <laughs> Sparza has never finished anybody via TKO. Never. It's never happened. It's never happened. You don't need to be a great striker to win by TKO, my brother. Listen, if you say that you're great, that would indicate that you get the result. You can be a great counterpuncher striker and win. Okay. And you know, tie your whole career on it. Eventually, you're gonna. All right, never mind. We're gonna get. We're gonna. I'm not bogging down in the weeds here about this fight. You said Carlos Barz is a great striker. Let's put this. (laughs) Put a poll up. Who's better? Who is Carlos Barz a better striker? Is Michelle Waterson better on the ground? Oh, I'll put it up and tag them both in it because I want to know. I want to know. Also, if anybody remembers seeing the post where where somebody said that uh, Michelle Waterson was pregnant. Uh, please just yeah. just let us know. We don't have to make a big deal out of it in case something uh, bad happened and they lost the baby. I don't want to. That's that's really sad. I don't want to talk about that. But yeah. um, if you remember seeing that, please by all means let us know. So that way, Trey and I don't think that we're collectively living in a simulation. Um, so yeah, that's pretty wild. All right, another fight that got added to this card potentially. Both guys agreed to fight at 170 pounds. Let's let's talk about this one before we wrap things up here. Donald Cowboy Cerrone taking on Anthony Pettis for the second time. You know Donald Cerrone, he loves getting kicked in the body, man. And I really feel like that's going to happen again. Anthony Pettis has been you know on a downward slide, but I feel like he still has enough in the tank to kick the shit out of Donald Cerrone here. 
Dude, when is Pettis just going to go over to Bellator? He doesn't need to. I think he's. I think the UFC still pays him very well. He could go over. To, listen, if he loses the Cowboy, I could see him going because Sergio is over there. But as right. it stands right now, if he wins over a Cowboy, he's still in line for big paydays. I think he's still making that 200-200 for every fight, which is great. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been on the higher end pay scale for a long time now. Right. Man, I wish Cowboy would just take a moment, you know. I know he likes to be this guy that's full-on cowboy, hence his name, but just come in there, trailblazer, gunslinger, any fight, I'll take it. But, dude, you got to take a breath, man. Get a legit six-week camp under you. Like, uh, you know, study your opponent. I know you've already fought, Anthony, but you've got to come in with a game plan. This gunslinging mentality. I mean, it's. I remember when he was on a a three-fight win streak going into a three-fight skid, and it's like, Dude, this ebb and flow could all stop if you just take a moment, let this thing plateau, get a couple wins under your belt, and then get a money fight, get back into it. But when you put a fight out like this, there's a lot of this clouded pressure of just like, oh my gosh, I'm on a three-fight losing skid. And as many people could think, oh, Cowboy's able to compartmentalize that, I don't care who you are. Three-fight losing skid on a big stage after the probably the biggest loss of your entire life in a horrible, horrible fashion against Conor McGregor. Dude, you've got to seriously kind of build the the building blocks once again. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it's one of those things where if you see guys that compete at anything on a high level, um, a lot of times they're willing to chalk up losses and wins faster um, than anybody else, like than your average person who may be willing to see uh, a potential suspect result all the way out to the end, right? Um, It's like the equivalent of like, if you play cornhole, right, and the team gets up on you 11-0 real fast, a lot of times you'll just call the game and go, Bob, let's just start over. You guys won. You start all over again. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you're playing basketball or, or anything like that and the score gets up quick, fast, and in a hurry, you'll just start all over again because you already know, realistically, this isn't worth playing it out. You're eventually going to win anyway. We're just going to go ahead and call it. I think you see guys like that from time to time, especially like with Um, you see it a lot more in Bellator than you do in the UFC, but you see guys that go out there, they're willing to engage in the fight, right? They put the work in, they go out, they're ready to get in the fight. But once the result starts going a certain way, they just kind of check out, right? Like you saw it with Chael Sonnen. Um, you see it like in the Fedor, um, the Fedor Rampage Jackson fight, right? Like Fedor hit Rampage once and then Rampage fell down on the ground and shook his head no, like I don't want anymore. And then yeah. he was on the ground saying, I don't hit me anymore. Like yep. that, no, I know. Forrest Griffin, Anderson Silva. Remember that fight? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. got he, he was outclassed and he just goes, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. There's no point in doing this. And you see guys, uh Dave Rickles versus M uh Michael Venom Page did the same thing. Right. Where he was getting pieced up. He wasn't he could have still won the fight, but he was just like, I'm just, I'm done. I've checked out. I don't want to be part of this anymore. And Cowboy throughout his career, um, you know, has done that. Uh, I'm not saying that he doesn't have a warrior's heart. I'm not saying that he's not willing to go in there and give it all in the octagon because he definitely has. But we have, we're seeing more and more as his career progresses um, when he realizes that it's over with. Or it's it's going to be a it's going to be a long haul up a up a a dark steep hill. He just kind of got well. All right, I'm out. You know, I'm I'm kind of done here. So it's not a knock against him, but I think that comes with having that many miles on on the 
on the wheels, he realizes when he can win and when he can lose, and he checks out whenever he can't win. Yeah. I just, I kind of, if he is going to take fights like this, I'd love him to actually, you know, milk the cow for all it's worth. And what I mean by that is get some serious marketing behind it. One of the most recent fights that I loved, the Donald Cowboy story that we saw, both from a fighter perspective as well from a marketing perspective, was the Alexander Hernandez fight. We saw a bunch before that of a little bit of confliction, a little bit of emotional appeal, and then we saw a totally focused, I'm going to wreck this Alexander Hernandez up-and-coming prospect who's disrespecting me. I'm a pioneer. That's the cowboy I want to see. And I think when you continually take these type of fights, uh, you're going to get that type of diminished you know, cowboy surrounding, which I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I, you know what I, th- I actually think that you're making a better point than even I was making in that the only cowboy that's worth seeing anymore is the motivated cowboy, the cowboy that's taking fights to be fun and be fan friendly. It, it isn't, isn't one that's necessarily worth watching um, because he's willing, he, you know, he's willing to get hurt or be hurt, but he's not going to take any un undo damage that Alexander Hernandez fight. He weathered a storm to try to make sure that he was able to win that fight. Uh, you've got to motivate him. You've got to anger him. Anthony Pettis isn't going to do that. In fact, I think this fight gets over relatively quickly because Anthony Pettis has already beaten him before. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put a bet down right now. Oh, Anthony, dude. Anthony Pettis inside the distance in under one and a half. Oh, three. Holy crap, dude. Anthony Pettis inside the distance and under one and a half. I'm putting them all three right now. I don't even know what the line is. I can't even, they're not even out yet. I'm telling you right now, I'm putting it down. Should I put my Carlos Barza bet out then right now? Should I do it? Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just fucking. Let's take a TKO. Go ahead. Under one. Plus (laughs) plus 15,000. Yeah, Carlos Barza in round one. That's I ridiculous. love it. <laughs> That's really funny. All right, Trey, it's been a weird week, man. The cancellation of UFC 249, but we've got this blockbuster card that's tentatively announced for UFC 250. There have been three other cards outside of UFC 249 that are filled with fights that need to be moved and shuffled someplace else, whether it be Fight Island, whether it be UFC 251, whether it be some other yet-to-be-determined location. There's a lot of great content coming up, man. I'm excited about what we're doing. I'm excited about what we've got coming up. Any parting words you want to leave the fans with before we put a bow on this thing, my man? Yeah, I just I hope, like everyone listening, just like myself and Dale, this is not another heartbreaker. Um, I literally, you know, I, when I posted out that we had these fights staged, I put a very, very uh, perfect song in tune with that image. And that's the Backstreet Boys. Quit playing games with my heart. That's all right. I just, I won't have it anymore. Yeah. So I hope this comes to fruition. I've had enough up and down. I'm ready to get some betting going, ready to get everything going. I think, you know, as much as I hope this happens on Fight Island, because I really want to see it, I think that Florida is a big possibility right now. Um, you know, as you know, Governor DeSantis just put out an executive order stating that you know, sports and uh, sports media is deemed an essential piece to society. So we're going to be back in it. That seems like a big logical place to have it. I hope this happens, man. I hope this happens. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, time will tell. Obviously, we'll get more details as the week unfolds. Uh, if you don't already do so, please like and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, any and all pod- podcast platforms. 
follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere. Share with a friend, like, share, review, anything like that helps big time. We are a completely free, self-funded content creation machine. If you get any value out of what we do, say, whether you get the value because you listen to it every week and punch your steering wheel on your way to work because of how dumb we sound, or if you do it because you love our opinions and we make you better at arguing against the office casual, whatever it is that we do, whatever it is that we provide to you from a content and entertainment standpoint. The best way that you can reward us, uh, obviously outside of buying us beer, is a like, a, a share, a subscribe, a review, something of that nature. That goes the longest way. And if you're not going to do that, take advantage of one of our sponsors. Go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FISK. Get 10% off your entire order. That's farm fresh meat delivered directly to your door. Or go to manscaped.com. Use promo code PUNCH and get 20% off plus free shipping. And that is for your other meat. Uh, you know, high quality meat mm-hmm. already in your door or high quality meat delivered to your door. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the kind of meat you can take to the back door, if you know what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> what a way to cap the episode. That's it. All right, guys. I appreciate everybody. Please be safe. Uh, maintain at least six feet distance away from somebody. And if you are unsure, social distancing-wise, how far away that is, think about how far away John Jones is from somebody when he pokes him in the eye. That's how far away you need to be. You're on a heater, dude. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>